Hey, Lisa. Hey, Julie. How's back. (laughs) How's How's a week going? A week goes by really fast. It does. Well, fast and slow. We both had long weeks, but yeah. So how's your week? My week is going fine. It's going. Um, Just this is a very uh, crazy time of year, I think, for most people I've talked to. um, Mid-January to late January is when everyone sort of is coming at you with um, projects, goals, things like that related to post-holiday lull. Yes. Everyone's getting ramped back up again. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's all good. There's a lot going on, but I'm just trying to figure out how to juggle everything like everyone else we know to ensure that we are the best humans, moms, running coaches, employees, wives, etc. sometimes can. And ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> taking care of ourselves. It can be really hard sometimes. It can. So I just have to say, we just finished recording, which we're going to put it on right after this, but with um, with an amazing, amazing woman. You want to tear up and yeah. <laughs> let everyone know about Jeannie? So everyone may recall we posted quite a few articles about a 71-year-old runner named Jeannie Rice out of Cleveland who lives half the year in Naples. And Jeannie um, is the world record holder in multiple distances, Ten. Ra- ranging, <laughs> Ten distances. ranging from the one mile to the marathon distance. And most recently, she um, set the world record for her age in Berlin in September in running a fast, blazing 324. So we reached out to her this week. And- Let me just add incidentally, in which we'll hear this coming mm-hmm. up, but she also beat all the men in her age group. That finish incredible. Yes. So we reached out to her in Naples and she kindly responded to us and came on our podcast today and we talked to her and she was just terrific and everyone will hear the interview so we don't want to spoil it, but we just want to just emphasize that Jeannie is a rare specimen who's been running for 35 years. Over 35 now. Never, ever been injured. Runs every day, pretty much. Takes a day off every few weeks. And runs pretty fast and every runs, day. And runs, um, she's been her own coach all these years. Yeah. And and she does run some faster runs. Um, she seems like an anomaly. Uh, she's admirable and we loved talking to her. She was, we cannot wait to meet her in person in Boston. So that was fabulous. Um, but so she I'm gonna seems give like her, an anomaly. Totally. <laughs> so I'm going to give her a nickname. She's our unicorn. Yes. <laughs> Our running unicorn, and it, but it really <laughs> underscores the fact that everybody has a different genetic kind of makeup, and some people are able to do things that most others cannot without getting injured and with setting world records and kind of on their own, their own, you know, coaching themselves and uh, really with a, a pretty laissez-faire, laid-back. Um, approach. Not that she's laid back. I think she's very focused and very determined. And we both were impressed with her, her mental strength and her positive attitude and, um, and that, but she, you know, she runs because she loves it and she's able to run a lot. And it's just a good, uh, I think it's a good way to highlight that we're all an experiment of one and you really have to know what are your limits and what works for you and, and what doesn't work for you. And, uh, and, and if it works for you to be able to run for 35 years and, and run that, ma- that much, she's run 120 marathons, which is just, uh, to me, really, really impressive. That's a lot. She's had a lot of running mileage and she's done it successfully and well. So it's worked for her. Yeah. And I think the big takeaway for me with this interview is that clearly Jeannie, Jeannie really enjoys the process and 
sometimes we get caught up in the goal and we don't allow ourselves to take a step back and recognize that it's not about the time. It's not about the goal race. It's about the day-to-day meeting with friends, the conversations, the coffee after like the run. Right. I was gonna say going to, going for coffee after the runs. The encouragement and the funny times on the bus on the way to the race, the the meals after or before the race. Those those are what the running community is about just as much as training for the goal race and the goal race. And those are what our memories I think are made of. And when we think about our running, we think about those times we ran in the rain and it was terrible conditions or that time that we saw something funny on a training run or that we really um, bare our souls to our training partners and really solved a problem on a run or came up with a solution to something or, you know, just that process throughout the training, that's what I think when I think back on my running, I think about the, the impact that that's had on me. Not necessarily, I don't always think about the races and the race times. I think about the process of getting there. Yes. And the moments. So with that being said, um, speaking of process, how is your running this week? My running is good. I'm slowly ramping up. We've talked about before since I did a marathon now, almost three weeks ago, I was a little slower to ramp into Boston training to give myself recovery time. So I did do a 16 mile easy long run today. I usually do my long runs on Thursday. So I did a 16 mile long run felt, felt good. You know, I feel like I'm recovered, but we both know that even when you feel recovered, uh, your body is still likely going through the recovery process and, and it can take three to four weeks. So I'm probably at the tail end of that. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling like I'm able to slowly now ramp into into Boston training as February gets near. One thing that I've noticed, and I think we've noticed with our runners who are starting to ramp up their mileage, is this is the time when you really have to be very cognizant of how much you're actually doing. And it's easy to lose track of that because in the day-to-day, we just move through. I have this issue. I teach a lot of cycle classes and I need to be very cognizant that I'm teaching eight or nine cycle classes a week. And what is that doing to my body and my body's ability to recover? And how does that impact how much I should be running or how much I can run and how do, how do I feel and really tuning into that. So for a lot of, for ourselves and a lot of our runners looking at that critically, what, what do I normally do during the year? Maybe I take a lot of, you know, cycle classes or I take a lot of, do a lot of strength training, but mileage is ramping up right now. I may not need to, to dial that back. And we probably don't feel it yet because our mileage is still just getting up to that higher level. We probably don't feel it yet, but if we don't pay attention to that now. We really risk overtraining and not giving our bodies enough time to recover. Uh, so this is a time I think we and our when we're looking at our runners, we're really being careful to look at at the the bigger picture. What else is going on in our lives? What other physical activity are we doing? And making sure that as the mileage ramps up, it, it's not cumulatively too much. So what do you do? For example, you teach classes, so you don't have a choice to skip a class. So what do you do to implement um, that extra time that you're exercising with um, your running? Yeah, that's a great question. I will often teach, um, treat my cycle classes that I teach as part of my running mileage. So I'll replace some of my running miles. Mm -hmm. If I was going to run seven miles one day and I teach a 45 minute class, I may say, okay, that's probably equivalent to three to four mile Mm -hmm. run. So my run's going to be three to four miles, or I may skip Mm -hmm. the run and say that 
that to me, uh, I've started teaching a, a 90 minute cycle mm-hmm. class on Sundays. That to me is my run for that day. Yeah. That's 90 minutes is a good amount of aerobic training uh, because I don't, I do my long runs on Thursday. Sunday would normally be a mid distance day, mm-hmm. but I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I replace it with 90 minutes of, of aerobic cycling is, is a good replacement for me. So I really do have to be careful about how much uh, I'm doing. And then, like I said, I replace some of the mileage. I take away some of the running mileage and just treat the cycling as, as part of that. Because if I try to do both, I find it's too much and it's worked for me. It seems to work. The cross training is actually good, Mm -hmm. less impact and still getting an aerobic workout. So it's worked for me. Yes. Clearly has worked for you because you've been kicking butt on your marathon distances. Um, most recently at the Tiberius marathon, and that is with relatively lower mileage than what you've done in the past by balancing your cycling. So I think that's a great, yeah. Yeah. But I think, you you know, I talk about cycling and cycling, I think is seen as a little bit can be higher intensity, uh, but even classes like a bar class or, um, you know, maybe something that seems lower intensity, like a, a strength training class, that's an hour, 45 minutes or an hour long that somebody might do a Pilates class, something like that, that seems like, okay, that's like lower intensity. It's still putting stress on your body. And especially a class that's 45 minutes or an hour long, you have to take that into consideration. And if you're not dialing back your running mileage, it may be the time to say, okay, I'm going to drop down to one class a week. Uh, you know, we have a lot of runners who do orange theory fitness and we love it. It's a great way to get in your strength and some higher intensity intervals. And we love it for our, our runners, typically for cross training, but once mileage gets higher, that's a high intensity workout to try to mix, add into the mix of running. So, you know, maybe we tell people cut down to one a week of, of a certain class that they're doing uh, just because we don't want it to get to the point where we realize and they realize that, whoa, it's been too much. Because once you realize that, you're kind of behind the eight ball and it's hard to go back and correct for that. So staying ahead of that and realizing that mileage is getting up there now, 16, 18 mile long runs, higher mileage per week. It's it's hard to, to fit it all in. And it's really temporary. It's a couple months. You know, it's February and March. Uh, and it, for those training for Boston or for spring marathons, February and March, take it down to one class a week or maybe cut those out and you can add it back in right after you're done with your marathon and you're, and you're recovering. Absolutely. And speaking of strength training classes, it's fine to incorporate those. And of course we've talked about this so much, how important strength training is, but figuring out a way to ensure that you're doing your strength training on a day that's not a recovery day is, is ideal. So we've talked about this before, but it's worth repeating. And that is if you love a certain strength training class or you have a certain strength training routine, if at, if at all possible, you're able to do it on a harder run day, then that gives you the recovery that your body needs. Because so much of overtraining is not about too much mileage. It's about not enough recovery. Right. So being able to stick strain training on a day when you're already a little bit taxed um, helps to allow that recovery day to be that much more meaningful. And right. that, because then you get a, a true recovery day. Yeah. You're not trying to say, all right, I'm running on Tuesday, and then Wednesday I'm going to do my strength, mm-hmm. and then Thursday I'm going to run, and then Friday I'm going to do strength. You never you get recovery. Running and strength on Tuesday, mm-hmm. getting a full day of recovery mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Yeah, very, yeah. Yeah. And if you're someone that feels better when you are moving and you feel like you can't just sit and rest. Recovery or rest can also be a a, a 
brisk walk, no problem. Or if you're someone who enjoys cycling and you are cycling just to flush out your muscles from a workout before without um, getting your heart rate too high or anything like that, that's okay. Just a gentle workout, a gentle... That's the key though, gentle. But, and so many people yeah. have, I think, a really <laughs> tough time, especially if you're in a class atmosphere or a group atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. really hard. So you have to be very self-disciplined to do that. So I like to tell people, like you just said, like go out and take a walk yep. or you know, go get a massage, uh, do something, uh, do some yoga. It's okay if it's gentle yoga and it's not, again, not anything too yeah. intense, but, um, do some meditation, do something else that you can count in as your training, some stretching, something that you can count towards your training that is not physically taxing. Yeah. And getting your heart rate up because yeah. you got to just give yourself a little bit of a rest. Yeah. What about yeah. you? How are you feeling now that mileage is starting to get up and we're kind of in the thick of a lot of busy work and other yeah. stuff going on? So this week I um, did something that I have tended to do as I've become a more experienced runner and coach is that is I reconfigured my schedule um, on the fly. And that is because today I had every intention of doing my long run today because I have a busy weekend ahead and it. I woke up this morning, was about to go, and I just felt very, very tired. Like that feeling of just exhaustion that my body was telling me I needed more sleep. And while we all wake up groggy, it's nobody springs out of bed. I just knew in my heart that it would benefit me so much more today if I slept for an extra hour, ran a shorter amount a little bit later than if I tried to tackle my long run today, which I would have powered through, but I think I would have suffered. So I nixed the long run today. I instead ran for an hour, slept an extra hour. I feel so much better. And instead I'm going to do my long run tomorrow. And fortunately I have the flexibility tomorrow where I can carve out some time and do it early in the morning. But I just felt confident that that was the right choice. And I mentioned this because we've said this a lot and that is that the schedule is only a guideline. And, and that goes for myself too. I look at my own schedule as a guideline and when I write it out, um, I don't necessarily know how I'm going to feel. Or when I plan out my week, I didn't know that by Thursday I'd feel exhausted. And, and I, I know now that that is the best way for me personally to train is to put it all together and recognize that sleep, strength training, um, run, running, cross-training, hydration, yes, stress of life, all of that put together is what training is about. It's not just about the miles you run. And why do you think you were, do you, you think there's a particular reason you were fatigued this week? Is there anything yeah. going on that contributed to that, you think? Definitely. I had to go to bed a little bit later, different times this week because of things going on with um, my kids. And also, like I ended up um, Tuesday night, I was at the minute clinic with my daughter because she thought she had an ear infection. She's fine. But you know, that was like an extra hour of Pushes sleep. Your bed time time later, right. yeah. Um, and, and none of that individually is a big deal, but cumulatively by Thursday, I think my body was like, wait a minute. No. And so I listened to my body and I slept and, and no harm done. No. Actually probably benefit and Absolutely. you'll get the long run, you know, your schedule that you have some time to get that in. And really that's, uh, I, I think you made the right decision. Oh yeah, no doubt. Good. Thanks for the yeah. validation. Uh, I, I, I agree. agree. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, and then as far as this weekend, uh, last week, last week on the podcast we talked about um, the anticipation of snow, and that didn't really happen on Saturday. Which I would like to say is a very good lesson, and we've seen this lots of mm-hmm. times in races as well. Mm-hmm. 
that, uh, you know, you get all psyched up for some sort of weather and you really have to wait to see what's going to happen that particular day. You can never really count on the, on, on the forecast. You can plan around it and plan for contingencies. Uh, but we've had a lot of times where people have decided to skip their race or their long run because there was rain or usually rain. We wouldn't encourage people to go if there was ice or snow in the, in the forecast. Usually they say, well, there's going to be rain, so I'm just, I'm not going to do my run. And then they wake up and realize it hadn't even rained yet, or, you know, it was going to rain later in the day and they could have gotten their run in. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's a good, a good lesson in seeing what it's like, giving it a try, as long as there's no ice on the ground. And if it's really bad, you can turn back around and scrap your plans and reschedule, be flexible and reschedule them, but give it a try. Don't, yeah. don't write it off before you've even tried it. So this Saturday, at least as of now, the forecast in our area is is looks like a lot of rain. So um, we, you know, certainly everyone should shouldn't feel like they cannot run in the rain. But it also looks like Sunday is going to be really. Sunny. I did hear so, on the on the forecast on the way over here to talk to you that uh, Sunday is going to be the better day of the weekend. Yeah. So. So no harm if you're someone that you've already proven to be able to run in the rain and you feel like running 18 miles in the rain would not be the best decision for you. Um, it's okay to move it to Sunday too. You're not a wimp. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it's also on the flip side, important to expose yourself to different kinds of weather during training. So when race day comes, you know that you can run in those conditions. But if you've already proven yourself and you feel like it would just be easier on your body to run. Don't need to be a hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to be a hero. That's right. So um, anything else going on with you this week, Lisa? Not really, no. All right. Pretty standard week and just looking forward to the weekend. Yeah. So we're gearing up and working hard and planning our anniversary celebration next weekend. So we'll talk more about that next week. And we have some really exciting guests lined up in addition to Jeannie Rice um, coming down the pike. So um, I also want to say thank you to everyone out there listening. This week we hit over 20,000 downloads, which is really amazing because we – really can't believe anyone listens, but we're really grateful. So thank you to everyone who's left a review or who has shared our podcast with others. And again, if you haven't already, if you could kindly leave a review on iTunes, that helps others find us. And I hope that everyone enjoys hearing from our new friend, Jeannie Rice. She was just incredible. Have a great week, Lisa. You too. Bye. We are so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Jeannie Rice. Jeannie Rice is 71 years old and the current age group world record holder at 10 different distances from one mile to the full marathon. She most recently ran the Berlin Marathon in an impressive 324 finish time, which we'd also like to note age graded is equivalent to a 212 marathon. Jeannie has been running since she was 35 years old and she has qualified for the Boston Marathon 35 years. She's completed 120 marathons and run over a thousand races. She is extremely impressive at any age, but particularly at age 71. And we are so excited to welcome her today and hear her secrets to the longevity of her running and success. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me uh, with you. 
We're, we're honored to have you. And we know your story and we've been admirers, admirers of you for many years. But um, why don't you kind of start and tell us about when you started running and, and why you started running? Sure. 1983, um, I went back to, I'm from Seoul, Korea. And then I went back to um, visit my you know, home country. And then just like, you know, so, sort of Italian people, they just feast every meal we go to. So I came back with a few pounds. Three <laughs> <laughs> pounds extra. So I start jogging around the block to lose. Because I'm sure I'm 5'2", and you know, I'm not a tall person, and I was never really heavy. But those five to seven pounds is a lot for me. So I decided to lose that, you know, few pounds right away. So I started jogging. And I got hooked. That's what I started to run at that point, 1983. And you started jogging in 1983. When did you run your first marathon? Uh, okay, 80, 1983 spring, I started running. That fall, and I ran five-mile race, local race, and I came in fourth, my age group. So that kind of got me going. So I started training for marathon. So following year... In May, which is one year into start running, I ran Cleveland Marathon, and I came in 3:45. So that fall in the Columbus Marathon, I ran 3:16, and that gives me to go to Boston. Very first year into running a marathon. Okay, wait, stop. So <laughs> you started running. How old were you when you started? I was, <laughs> I was 35. Okay, so at 35 years old. A mom of a mom of two at the time. You started to jog, and uh-huh. after jogging, you ran a casual three forty-five in Cleveland, and then just um, four month, five months later in Columbus. Uh, yeah, eleven. I, I that was in November, so six months later. Uh, Cleveland marathon was May, and I did three forty-five, and then in that fall, November, I ran three twelve. Wow. I'm sorry, 314. 3-14. 3-14. So I was qualified for Boston following year, 1985. So that was first Boston Marathon. And what did you change, if anything? Did you change anything in your training in between the first marathon and the second marathon to take off that much time? I started just running a lot because I never ran before. Yeah. I mean, I ran five-mile race in the fall, so now <laughs> I did run with the running club, Northeast running club in my Cleveland area. So I was running with the guys and I didn't realize that I could run. And when I did 345, some of those guys been training a lot longer than I have. I realized that I could run uh, faster if I train a little bit faster time. So I train a little faster instead of slower, you know, pace. So that's when I did 312. And 314, I'm sorry, I kept saying 312, that's my PR. I never have a good PR, though, actually, marathon-wise. So I started running, and since then, I ran 120 marathon. Oh. <laughs> wow, and how many yeah. times, because this is a Boston Marathon-focused yeah. podcast, tell mm-hmm. our listeners how many times you've qualified for Boston. Probably out of 36, uh, seven years I've been running, probably 30 times plus. Wow. And how many times have you run Boston? I only ran seven times. Uh, I'm going back this year and I like to do this 
this year I like to do uh, seven years plus a course record. That's what I'm going for. Oh. That's what I'm going for anyway. That's my goal. Awesome. Does have you spoken with the BAA um, about well, your goal? No, not yet. But they did send me. Um, I asked for what's you know their um, record time. They did send it to me and very reachable. And I ran three twenty four in Berlin. So that's if, but you know, as you know, Boston is not PR course, not for me anyway. Because Berlin and Chicago, they were kind of a flat course. But Boston is, I think, a little bit challenge course. So, so you know, I'm going to do my best. That's all I can do. <laughs> well, we have no doubt you will. We 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 we're going to wait to talk about this, but we'll just jump in since you brought it up. Okay. What is so your overall PR? You said was a three twelve. But yes. most recently, you had a big breakthrough. Um, talk to us and tell us what happened just this past year in Berlin. Okay, I do have a Chicago uh, course record time, you know that, and then there was a world record, 2018. So that was almost two years ago already. And I broke the world record time by seven minutes. So Berlin, this past year, so a year later, and... Uh, I knew if I worked a little bit harder, I knew I could break my own time. So Berlin, I shaved three more minutes. So I did 324. So do you know, um, you just, so you ran a 324 in September in Berlin. You broke your own record, which was previously set in Chicago. What, uh -huh. what was that time just for, for purposes? Chicago was 327. Okay. Um, the, the, World record was uh, 3.35, and the Berlin, um, the um, German uh, lady, the lady from Germany, had that world record for five years. Wow. And we're talking about our age group. That's not that fast yeah. time, but mm -hmm. <laughs> we go by old ladies. That's still an impressive time for, for any <laughs> age group. So I've been, you know, I have that little note in my refrigerator. I did, and I looked at it every day, whole time, 3.35. So Chicago, I did 3.27. So that's when World, um, you know, magazine, Runner's World magazine made a little uh, big deal out of it because I did break by seven minutes. Right. That was and, all, uh, that was when we yeah. first heard of you, and I think so yeah, many others yeah. was... To, it was yeah. fall of 2018, and there was a spread about you in Runner's World, and yes. you you were 70 at the time already yes. when that happened. Yes. yes. So talk to us. So you broke that record by um, eight minutes. Seven, seven, yeah. seven, seven minutes. Seven minutes plus. Yeah. Uh -huh. seven, seven minutes. That was a 327, and, and then Julie, yeah, 327. And then Berlin, and I did 324. And so what? Shave three more minutes. What did you do between the fall of 2018 and the fall of 2019 to shave three minutes off your world record time in Chicago? Well, um, I knew I could do it. I know I just focused on my Chicago record time. And then now I cross her time and put my own time on the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> All about the goals that you set, yeah, setting right, high goals. Go, that's it. That's it. You set the goal mentally, you know, I was a positive attitude. 
that I could do it. I love that. And, Ta- yeah, talk yeah. a little bit a bit about more about about that mental that mental aspect and the positive, you know, being able to positively visualize your Yeah, well, that's right. As you girls know, you girls are a marathon runner, you guys are awesome runner. You know, the long distance is not to do the mental. I know you train, everybody train hard, but you got to, you know, mentally tough too. And you got to have a positive attitude. Is that something, is that something you've developed over the years? Is that something you've worked on and found that it helped you and something that's changed over the years for you? Or have you always been able to do that? I was was always a little competitive (laughs) with anything. And so, yeah, and then it did develop throughout the year, yes. And I still have, I think I can still run a little faster than my Berlin time. So, so yeah. I'm training hard, yes. And this year you're doing uh, not only Boston, but you're also doing Tokyo. Tokyo Stone, I want to go after my own time. Yeah, Tokyo is the one I like to shape a minute or two better, if I can. So, yes, but... You don't know, you know, you don't know till you don't have the goal and you're never going to reach, right? Absolutely. So on yeah. your refrigerator right now, do you have a 324 on it with that? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. in addition to um, when targeting a goal like this, in addition to having a positive mental approach and believing in yourself, what other factors do you do to um, change up your training, if anything, to knock three minutes off of a marathon time in one year? I run a little bit uh, with the faster friends. I mean, you know, like in, I'm in Florida right now. We have a big group every Saturday for we call the long run. We have like 60, 70 runners show up every Saturday, 6 o'clock. And we group, you know, everybody run their own pace group. I find myself a little bit faster than me, a runner, and I try to stick with them and train. You gotta step up a little bit. You know, you can only do so much. I understand everybody try to do best they can, but once a week, running a little faster than a little bit more uncomfortable pace, that's not gonna hurt you. So once a week at least. So I try to run a little bit faster training. Like this morning, I had a tempo run um, eight mile, and I ran a little bit quicker than I normally run. So that change, I hopefully that'll help me. Few seconds per mile. Few seconds per mile is a lot for when you add it up to twenty six mile, right? Yeah, it is a lot. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now our next question. Okay, so mm-hmm. you you run some of your longer runs um, when you're in Naples faster. And uh-huh. you just mentioned that you do a tempo run and today uh-huh. is um, a weekday. Yeah. What Those do you, days. what do you do to balance out that hard training? Because you're also not getting injured. So what are you doing otherwise to step up your training, but at the same time, not do too much too fast that you're causing injury? Well, uh, you know, Fortunately, all this year, 36 years of running, I've, nev- I've never had a running injury. So that's why a lot of people, friends, you know, when they interview me, that's question they ask. What is the secret? Yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> I don't have a secret. <laughs> lucky genetics, part of it, lucky genetics. It's a blast. I'm blessed. And what I don't, you know, what I do, I avoid 
the injury up before that. Like I used to run trail run. I mean, nothing wrong with that. I used to love it. Trail run, but I don't do it because I've seen people, you know, trip over, fall. And I avoid that. And uh, those things, and then I don't run on the ice. Because not that we're going to fall, you know. I, not, I don't mean um, uh, negative, but I avoid those things. That's why I'm in Florida during the winter. Right, risk aversion. Yeah. <laughs> risk yeah, aversion. Do you... Do you do yeah. anything in between um, to help with recovery? I mean, do you do strength training? Do you do massage? Do you any anything like yeah. that? Massage once a week. Yeah, massage. And what about yeah. what about strength training? What kind of strength training do well, you do? I have to tell you, I used to work out, uh, lift weight three days a week, probably until maybe I was in my sixties. Mm-hmm. And I don't lift weight anymore, but I do a little bit of a push-ups, you know, at home. Um, and then do the uh, setups and, you know, this not not intense workout I don't do. But when I'm here, I just swim a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just, I run pretty much every day. So I don't take the day off. I think I take maybe one day off every two weeks maybe. But my day off, usually Monday people do take day off after hard run Saturday or Sunday race. My day off is go out nine minute pace by mile. So very easy recovery yeah, run. Very easy recovery run. And this has worked for I'm, you. And it's been now it's been over thirty five years and, and it's worked yes, it's it, worked for you. So that's it's working for me and then you know I think those are and then but I do add add that up to mileage because I, I do keep my mileage too. I do maybe forty five to fifty miles all year round but when I ready for marathon I do 55 to 65. So I think I need that mileage. I can go out 10 miles every day, you know, every other day maybe. But I do run those five-mile easy run. I add to the mileage. So, you know, sometimes I go up to 70. Well, I think a couple of weeks ago I did 66 miles. But I do right around 50 to 60 for, um, you know, weekly. Okay. I mean, that's a high mileage, especially um, for someone who's been running for 35 years. And the fact that you haven't sustained any injuries is is really amazing. I have to ask, what what do you do for sleep? Do you get a lot of sleep? What do you do to repair your muscles in addition to a massage? I go to bed early. Okay. <laughs> I'm an early bird. Mm-hmm. I like to run early in the morning. And when we do meet uh, some of a group, uh, they run 6 o'clock to 10 mile. If I want to run more than that, I go there 5 o'clock. Like two weeks ago, I ran 21 mile. Mm-hmm. I started like hour and a half prior to that, so I can start 4.30. So therefore, I have to go to bed early. Yeah. So I eat early dinner and then go to bed early. Yeah, I get enough sleep. That's I get great. enough. If I get seven hours sleep, and I'm really good. Seven hours. <laughs> and yeah. what about um, recovery foods? Do you have any particular foods that you like during your training to help not only fuel, fuel your runs, but to recover from runs? Uh, food, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally, when I do long run, I do have a half, I mean, half or if it's small, banana with uh, peanut butter. That's my, um, uh, before I got to run long run I do that I eat that and of course I you know I'm addictive to coffee so I drink coffee mm-hmm. just one cup of coffee 
with the banana, with the uh, peanut butter. That's what I eat. I do not eat during the uh, training run. Even I go out 21 mile. I know friends carry gel, and I never do that. I never carry. But at actually race, I do take a couple gels. And those don't, they don't yeah. bother your stomach. You're, you're okay with them, even though you didn't yeah. train with yeah, them. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And what gels do you prefer? I use, I've been eating goo. Okay. And how many, yeah. how often do you take gels during a race? Oh, doing, doing the marathon, I did take two. Just one, two. maybe eighth mile, mm-hmm. and then maybe another one in 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to also ask you, do you have a coach or have you always coached yourself? I coached myself. I never had a coach. Wow. You've no. been so successful. You're, you're, you're a good, a good self coach. So that is. That yeah. Is. I do advise some of my runner friends together, you know, but it's everybody's individual different. So mm-hmm. I tell them, don't do what I do, but <laughs> I can tell them, help them. Because everybody's teasing me, you know, don't do genie does and then you get hurt. <laughs> well, it's worked for you. So, yeah. you know, who are we yeah. to say if, if it's worked for you? Yeah. That's, that's tremendous. You, you mentioned before that, um, you know, your marathon PR you think is is not reflect that you're a better shorter distance runner than a marathon runner. Do you have a, a favorite race distance other than the well, marathon? Well, I do carry seven American records. From one mile to all the way to marathon. So you are an all-around yeah, runner. Do you do you have a favorite? Is the marathon your favorite distance, or do you have a distance that you prefer to the marathon? Well, I think half marathon is a very, you know, good because you still it is a still distance, and in, you know you don't feel like you had a race. But marathon, it takes you know a few days to go get back to you know a training again. Um, I love how you say a few days. <laughs> Most normal people, it's a few weeks at least, but you're like, oh, a few days. And and you mentioned earlier that you set, you no. have several world I, records. Um, I, I ran a marathon. Even in Berlin, was kind of, it's a cute story I have to tell you. We, there's a 16 friends went together. So after the marathon, I said, does anybody want to run real easy, run tomorrow morning? Let's meet at the lobby at 8 o'clock, right? I go down there, Julie. Nobody was there. You are the only one. There's a reason for yeah. that. Yeah. So I left and I went out and then, you know, five miles. It was wonderful. And, you know, it was, we had a dinner together and they were all laughing at me. But, you know, it's, I just go out and just easy run. I think that helps me recover faster. Sure. And that was, yes. that was PS the day after you broke the world record. That was the day after yes. your 324 mm-hmm. that you ran out for an easy five mile jaunt in yes. Berlin. That's, that's just yeah. so amazing. Yeah. I just been, I guess it's a blast. And I know they say, Oh, I'm so sore, but I didn't have this soreness. So interesting. Did you, were you athletic when you were younger? Did you do anything when you were younger? When I was young, there was no, um, sports for women but I was in a dance class so I did a little bit ballet and then you know dance class so but we didn't have yeah. sports so yeah. no but I was always in decent shape I always took you know class like when I came back to this country I started taking aerobic class and things like that at the YMCA and then I helped uh gym and swim little kids as a volunteer so uh-huh. yes I was 
a little bit athletic, but not, no, I never even ran. So I would, I would say no when I was young. I was in decent shape, but no, I didn't have any, you know, sports at all. But it sounds like you've always had a very positive attitude and maybe also had a little bit of competitive nature to yourself, which sounds like maybe yes. something that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's benefited you as you've gotten into the sport. Yeah. You had, yes. you had mentioned earlier that you had several world records and, um, I believe one of your most recent is in the half marathon distance, correct? Yes. And, um, you broke that world record, um, in, um, Akron, Ohio, that was, um, that was tough to break. Because all these older, you know, runners, they still run up to half marathon. Yes. Yes. But the marathon, they start failing out. So marathon, I did. I do have a 10 minutes faster than last world record, a seven minute plus three minutes. But half marathon, I only broke by 40 some seconds. And that's a 136, correct? 137, actually, I, I ran 137.01, but they recorded it to 137.07 because it was gun time. Okay. I was so a few seconds behind, yes. That's right. But you did run a 136, but it wasn't a sanctioned course. Is that what happened? Yes, I, it was. It I was. Think they, I think they recorded it. I, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, yes, it was. Okay. Um, I checked before I went there. Okay, got it. It was a uh, USATF sanction. And then... Uh, I do have a 10 mile also world record time, 111. Wow. Have you ever come out to DC and run the cherry blossom 10 miler? No, I like to do that. You totally should. You should run with Joni Samuelson. I feel like, I feel like, um, I mean, she still runs the race regularly and I mean, she, she's amazing, but so are you. And, um, (laughs) you, you you definitely would receive a really wonderful reception if you decided to run it. Um, so just something to keep in mind. It's, it's a course that's very favorable for masters runners who want to break records. And, um, I know Mm -hmm. Catherine Switzer has run it a few times. Um, and, um, speaking of which we wanted to ask you, do you know Catherine or have you ever met her? Okay. Okay. And then Joni, you know, it's Emerson's been my idol when she did the 1984 gold medal in the LA, um, you know, Olympic. That's when I started run 83. And 84 was my first marathon. Since then, I met her a couple of times. She came to Cleveland one time. And then, of course, in Boston. When, and then I didn't get to see in Chicago. Chicago, she didn't run as well as she wanted to. She was number one, 60 and over. I think she was going after world record, but she missed it. You know, yeah. you can't do best every time. No. But I, yeah, I look it, look it up 60 years and up. She's the only one beat my time. I'm 70, <laughs> yeah, and I did break my record. Second place in her age group, I beat that time. Wow. But of course, Tony was like 10 minutes faster than me. <laughs> but, I mean, if you have to be behind someone, let it be Joni Samuelson. That's so amazing. <laughs> Yeah, she's the only one being me. And then, um, you know what's interesting, too? It's really, this is a, my son's the one check. In Berlin, I mean, it's a huge race, you know. And my son looked it up, 70 years old, man division. The man first place, 
I beat by two minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good for you. Said, yeah, my son, Alan, said, Mom, did you realize that you beat all the men your age? I said, no, I didn't. So I looked it up. It was funny. Wow. <laughs> and did your son also um, look up for you since he sounds like your numbers person? Did he age grade oh, your yeah. time in Berlin? Yep. He's the one checked it and he couldn't believe it. He said, Mom, you beat all the men division. I said, really? I didn't know that. So, so did he did he also check to see what your age graded time is? Because there's yeah. a, okay, so yeah. you know yeah. that your age graded time in Berlin amounts to a two twelve. I know. That's I know. crazy. <laughs> No, I can't even imagine. But that's age graded. I mean, geez. But it's fair. <laughs> you get some credit for for finishing yeah. in the time you did at the age that that you did. Yeah. So, well, whatever so I did, uh, nineteen, uh, no, two thousand eighteen, USATF choose me run of the year, master uh, road, road run of the year, master road run of the year, two thousand eighteen. They send me all the plaque, but not two thousand nineteen. They select me as some um, athlete of the year. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it every yeah, year as far as we're concerned. Thank you so much. Thank you. So let's let's transition a little bit. And since we're okay. we're focusing this this podcast on Boston Marathon okay. preparation, let's talk about Boston a, a little okay. bit. And you've run Boston eight times? This will be eight times. This will be I your eight times. So. Yeah, so you run it seven times. This will be your eighth time. Tell us your thoughts on Boston. What what do you think about the Boston course? What do you think about preparation for Boston? Yeah, if if people already ran the Boston, have experience, they know the course. We all know that it's downhill beginning, and you know it's so easy to go up fast because it's downhill. But uh, they may uh, pay for later. But those of you uh, been there already knew that knows that. But the new brand new first time Boston runners just enjoy the excitement. And, you know, they work so hard to qualify. Uh, that's the hard part for most forced Boston runners, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, they, yeah, they train so hard. I have a couple of friends going first time, and they've been training for, uh, trying to qualify for several years, and then they finally got this this year. So they've been working so hard to uh, qualify so don't try to go there and get your PR, you know, and just to go to enjoy the excitement, those great experience, and they deserve to have fun. And it's, you know, it's tough to get PR there. So it's a, it's a challenge course. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I would recommend just to you so, you know, work so hard, just enjoy it. That's such that's such that's great fun. advice. And do you have a favorite yeah. part of the Boston Marathon? Is there a particular part of the course that you of enjoy? Course, yeah, of course. Favorite part is uh, you know the, the, when we go through our those university Wellesley, Wellesley, Wellesley. Yes, yes. yes, all the ladies yeah. cheering yeah, very that's, loud. That's a, that's a fun part of the race, and then also at the end, always. Good to see that sicko sign. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it never, you never get any closer. Yeah. But yes, uh -huh. that is, that's a very yeah. iconic part of the course as well. For those, yeah. for those yeah, who are deciding to run Boston a little bit more of a race, what advice do you have in terms of preparing for the race that you feel has worked for you? Uh, you know, try to do the, you know, a little bit of a hill training, even at the treadmill. 
because if you, I mean, but you guys live in Boston, right? We live in the DC area, so we have DC we have area. hills. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So you, you wouldn't have a problem, but uh, you know, it's because uh, people like in Florida, it's flat here. Mm-hmm. So they do go to a treadmill once in a while and try to do some, you know, a little bit, you know, hill workout. Um, but because it's it's a t- to me it's a tough course. Boston is. I mean, I would say challenge course. It's not. I mean, I ran Pikes Peak and other very hilly course. I've ran um, uh, China Marathon. So. Uh, Compare all that, Boston is easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, weather's a factor, mm-hmm. weather. So you just have to, you know, see what the day comes and just have fun and try their best. That's great and advice. I love Boston. Yes, it's a fun, fun race. Did, do, you, do you have a favorite year that you remember from Boston and any of the years stick yeah, out well, in your head? Let's, let's say it's not... It wasn't a favor, but I ran 2013. I yep. decided to go back. And, of course, that's the year we had a bomb. Yeah. And that was a very, very memorable in my case. And one good thing was that I did win my division because I decided to go, like, 30 years later. Well, I'm going to go back to Boston, try it. And I won my division. So that was memorable. Not the good memory part of bomb, but it was – I. I like that, and I won in 2015. I did do 2014 as well, but 2015, I decided to do my 100th marathon in Boston. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I know I was gonna go uh, pick out anyone, non runner friends wanted to go with me if we go like Paris or somewhere, but I decided to pick Boston. That's How appropriate. So I did my one. Yeah. So that was yeah, your 100th. that was your one hundredth. How how many have 100th. you done now? How many yeah. marathons have you done? Uh, twenty more, twenty more. So that was hundredth year, hundredth marathon in Boston, and I won my division. So that was very memorable. And I was gonna quit after hundredth because all my <laughs> friends said, "Genie, yeah, no way. They they wouldn't believe." But I said, "Well, once I do hundred marathon, I'm gonna go to just half marathon." But since then, I did 20 more. So you've done 120, <laughs> 120 marathons. Yes. Amazing. So Tokyo will be 121. So Keep going. And then Boston <laughs> and, will be 122. Um, and yeah, not, that, right. not that it's, um, I mean, just completing 120 marathons is amazing. But I have a feeling that after your 100th, you probably placed or won your age group in every marathon you did thereafter. Is that correct? Correct, except Boston. Boston, that um, uh, two years ago was a real bad year. Was it two years ago? With the weather, yeah. 20, well, 2018. Weather and, yeah. Yes. That's, I was in best shape. I was in best shape, but I starting to have a hypothermia. Yeah. yeah. I was just shaking it, and about 20, 21 miles, I started getting dizzy, and then I fell. I trip over fell, and a couple guys helped me. You know, stood up, and then two girls from side. They were having problem too. We were all having a problem. It was a miserable. You girls ran that. Yeah, that's oh, was a yeah, tough so year. Would, yeah, you girls would know. So I just about walked to finished. 
But you finished. I mean, <laughs> you finished. I finished. So I came in third. So <laughs> there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple races I didn't come in first because that reason. You but still placed though. You still came in third. <laughs> Amazing. Can you believe that I walk? I walk and jog probably 15 per mile. There's a there's a couple a mile uh, split was like a 15 minute, 14, 15 minute. And I still placed third, but you know, but I was determined I wasn't going to quit, you know, so I did finish. I, I just couldn't quit. I'm sure that that takes, that took a lot more mental strength and physical strength because yeah. it was yeah. so uncomfortable. So that leads us to a question um, related to what we talked about before. And that is you are clearly so mentally strong. How do you stay motivated and positive through training and races when you have those bad moments? What what do you do to stay positive? Well, you know, I always think um, all the people around me, family, friends, and they're all cheering for me either at home or through the computer looking at and or on the course. And I just cannot disappoint them. And I just always visualize the finish line. And you just keep going, keep going one foot after another, just towards you know, finish line. And I just cannot see it. I know people, when you hurt, if something really big injured, yes, I do recommend them to stop because they can really badly injure. But if you just fatigue, tire, you know, you just, you train for this distance and you could do it. So that's how, you know, I just, um, I, I'm very determined. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> you are. And I think that yeah. we think that's why you, you've been so successful. And, um, and we think that you're a great example in mental strength and determination. And we love, um, you've mentioned before, you put your time goals on your refrigerator and you look at them and you yep. focus on that and you visualize yourself. And that's something everybody can do regardless of what they're, paces or their their level of experience is put you put your goal out there in front of you where you see it every day and that's that's a great 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 advice so we have we have so enjoyed talking to you and we are all going to be in boston in april so we are going to make sure we stay in touch and that we get to see you and and connect with you in person and maybe even go for a little shakeout run with you if we can keep up with you you know everybody has you know goal feature goal you know so it just um I'll keep on going. And it's a, running is part of my life, you know, big part of my life. You know, it's healthy. And, uh, you know, because I'm running and you eat healthier, right? And we, it all goes together. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a great group of friends and running partners yeah. that also make that yeah. a special part of your life. Yeah. And then I do recommend either new runner or master runners and I would say uh, try to uh, find same pace running buddy. Yeah. And then if you run together, if you say, well, we're going to meet either how bad weather is, if you're going to go meet somebody, you know, you're going to better chance you're going to do it and try to run together and you talk each other, we run each other and go out for coffee afterwards. And it just, uh, and then people are looking forward to do that. So that's what I recommend for new runners or uh, master runners, you know, just to um, get running buddy. You're absolutely right. Because by doing so, which you clearly are, you enjoy the process. And when you enjoy the process, 
all of the positive results that you've achieved can follow. So Jeannie Rice, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you girls. You girls are awesome. Thank you. You're so awesome. And we look forward to meeting you in Boston. Good luck with your training. Thank you so much. You too. We'll see you soon. Okay. Thanks Jeannie. Uh Bye-bye.